0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast presented by KFC. I'm your host, Wayne Lou of Yahoo Sports Canada. On this week's episode, I have The Score's senior NBA writer, Joe Squajaro. What's going on? It's good times, man. Yeah. We're going to shout out Pound the Rock right out top, or what are we going to do?
0: No, whatever you want to do, man. It's your show. It's your show.
1: Wow, okay. It feel, no, it feels like old times. It really does. Uh, so, mostly we're here to talk about um, Kobe. I, I know mm-hmm. that this has sort of been the story ever since uh, the tragedy uh, occurred on Sunday, when Kobe, uh, at the age of 41, along with his 13-year-old daughter Gianna and also seven other passengers, uh, died in a uh, helicopter crash. Some details are now emerging from the crash. They're so impossibly sad to read. Apparently there was a fog, and that sort of, um, uh, I guess, indirectly led to some of this stuff. Um, But, you know, with someone as important as Kobe, I mean, it's, it's hard not to just spend so much time memorializing him because i think it's it's worth it like there's that many good kobe stories out there
0: yeah and i mean this guy was the epitome of an icon you know like people yeah. throw out the word icon a lot and they throw out the word transcendent a lot when it comes to talents but this guy was the true definition of both those words right yeah. like he was an icon in the game yeah um and whatever you rank him in terms of all-time greats is another matter but right. you can't deny that he's near the top or at the top in terms of straight-up influence yeah. and being beloved by his peers. Because you talk to any players in the NBA, and they worship this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I wrote about that. Like, everything about Kobe, his the Mamba mentality, the aura yeah. around him, like, whatever. It was gospel to a lot of these players and to it was. the league. And, um, yeah, it's, it's honestly hard to imagine, like, watching... NBA ball feel normal again. Now, obviously, yeah. we'll get to a point when it does. Right. Because things, you know, you just heal. Life, life goes on. Point. Exactly. Yeah. But in the immediate aftermath, it really is hard to imagine the NBA the same ever again.
1: Yeah, for sure. And um, I, I think it's it really says something about Kobe's global impact and outreach. I saw that you retweeted um, how uh, the Italian town that uh, his dad played in, where Kobe grew up as a kid, and Kobe still speaks fluent Italian? Yeah. That's, I mean, he, that's amazing. Well he man. spent
0: he spent his formative years there, right? He yeah. spent from the ages of six to thirteen there.
1: But that's still though. Yeah.
0: That that's really impressive that you that he held on to that. And the cool thing too, all that is that like because his dad played in different parts of Italy. Yeah. He kind of um like he played in the north and okay. Kobe grew up in the north. Kobe right. grew up in the deep south in Calabria where my family's from. Yeah. And he's even talked about how he like picked up the slang and each. So like okay. he even spoke like dialects from each region. Like they really considered him an adopted son mm-hmm. in those towns, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you mentioned, I was retweeting some of the stuff from Italy yesterday. Uh, one of the places that dad played in the North they're, they're naming their new gym, I think after him or something. right. Um, right. Um, you know, the newspapers, there were all,
1: yeah. Um, AC Milan was wearing. Yeah. I mean, he was J-B's. a huge
0: AC Milan fan. So yeah. he had a famous quote where he said, if you cut, his left arm, it bleeds black and red. Wow. And if you keep cut his right arm, it bleeds purple and gold. Wow. Yeah.
1: Damn. Yeah. So. I was going to say. That's, yeah, that's really impressive. Um, and, yeah, it's just – I think it speaks to, like, a global impact that he had, which I think um, – and we'll we'll get to sort of Kobe's specific connection with the Raptors and obviously a lot of intersections there. Um, but just generally, like, if you think about the time in which Kobe came into the NBA – um, that was at the point where the game was about to go global. Like I think uh, Magic and Magic and Bird really sort of made it America's game. Um, made it definitely a very serious game because before that, let's be real, the NBA wasn't taking the seriously. Finals things. were on tape delay. They were literally on tape delay, right? You have you have that happen. You have Michael Jordan sort of taking that into um, you know the next level, yeah. and then Kobe sort Dream of Dream Team two. But it just carrying it on. like yeah. He was a great ambassador in terms of just globally. Like I think about, obviously, the Dream Team, 08, um, him leading that team. The Dream Team, yeah. The Spanish team was about to take them. And, and Kobe, Kobe stepped up. Kobe stepped went mama
0: in, yep. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, fourth quarter, I think. Like, late third yeah. fourth quarter of that game. And. Yeah.
1: And it wasn't like – I mean, that, that was a team that was a little strange. It was in transition because LeBron was younger and stuff like that. LeBron obviously had a lot of great plays. doing Wade had a lot of great plays, but – that team was Kobe's team. It really was, um, and it sort of propelled him in that way. It also made him a championship again because, like, there was a weird stretch in Kobe's career there where he was kind of like a, a great player for sure, but like that—I mean, the, the year he averaged thirty-five, like his team got bounced in the first yeah. round.
0: Yeah, well, and you know, that, the big thing was whether he could win one without Shaq, right? Yeah, and that, that twenty, the two thousand eight Redeem Team yeah. happened in that middle period yeah. between his last Shaq partner title and his first one without him so yeah it was big for him
1: yeah for sure and and he, in, in in terms of the global outreach like he's so beloved like you see like these like tributes from like the Philippines for example um like the most famous court in the Philippines um you know they, they painted over the whole floor and everything they, they painted into a kobe mural and you know it's just it's impressive remember in the last couple of seasons i remember we would we were in the office and, and we were just like you know watch these press conferences and we would kind of really chuckle at it because yeah. kobe would answer questions from reporters all over the world especially yeah. in this last season he yeah. got it was international media we're not yeah. just talking about you know you know just the regular beat media yeah and him answering questions in italian and then spanish and then english and just him talking shit to Luka, Luka. Doncic
0: in Slovenian? Yeah, like what? Come on, yeah, man. man. That's Kobe, stuff. he was one of a kind, and that's kind of what I meant, too, when, when I said he defined not just being an icon, but being transcendent. Like, there are very few athletes, yep. um, especially in American sports, that truly transcend, like borders, mm-hmm. transcend um, the lines of the game, and are just global phenomenons. Yep. Not even
1: just as an athlete, like just yeah. as an entity. No, and he pushed the game forward. And, you know, even like Joel Embiid saying he was growing up in Cameroon and he watched like the 2010 finals. And he's like, this Kobe guy's amazing. I'm going to try to be like him and shoot 6 of 24 against Marcus Law. But anyway, yeah, in terms of Kobe and the Raptors, obviously, there's a lot of connections. Uh, we'll we'll leave the 81-point 80 point game for for a little later on. But I, I think Real quick, because yeah.
0: you mentioned the 6-for-24 against, I mean, that kind of could have been a Kobe tribute. Because do you remember in Game 7 of the 2010 Finals when yeah. everyone was upset that Kobe got Finals MVP? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure he shot 6-of-24 in that yeah. Game 7. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it was 8-of-24. No, yeah, I think it was 6-of-24. 24, 24. Yeah.
1: But he, he got a lot of rebounds that game. Yeah. Uh, Powell had a really good game yeah. in Game 7. <laughs> Poor
0: Powell never got that Finals MVP.
1: Man. But if Kendrick Perkins was healthy... Kendrick Perkins was healthy yeah, shooting those turnaround jump shots. Celtics, they really believe that. <laughs> Ubuntu undefeated. Um, so yeah, in terms of Kobe and the Raptors, uh, we'll get to the one point game. But I think the most recent memory, obviously, is that 2016 All Star game. First off, that weekend, uh, just the legendary All Star weekend in general, right? Like, obviously, the weather was like comically bad. Even for Toronto, yeah. it was like minus 20, and you couldn't yeah. go outside. Um But, like, just the actual festivities itself, it was amazing. Like, you were there during the whole thing. Uh, What are your memories from the 2016 All-Star
0: Game? Man, so, like, tragically enough, one of my memories was Kobe doing one of his uh, press conferences that weekend with John on his lap. Um, And that's, like, one thing I thought of uh, when it happened. But I do remember that whole weekend just being like the Kobe appreciation. I mean, that whole season
1: was yeah. the Kobe appreciation year, right? But and it got almost ridiculous. It but did. in retrospect, you're like, of course that, that that's how I went because yeah. Kobe meant this much to everybody. Exactly. Like, remember when he announced that he was going to retire that day in Washington, they were going to play. And then everyone in the crowd, the DC crowd, they have no connection to yeah. Kobe really, but they started chanting his name. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, it's. He was special like that,
0: right? His impact was special like that. Uh, but, yeah, that, I remember from that weekend it just being kind of like the Kobe appreciation weekend. But I yeah, I also remember at the towards the end of the actual All-Star game when uh, LeBron guarded Kobe. Yeah. He, like, smacked the floor, and they yep. kind of, like, locked eyes, and the crowd went nuts. Uh, I think that was, like, the defining memory for me of that right. weekend.
1: Yeah, and people forget that – so Kobe took the pump fake – like a couple times, and then took a fadeaway. And he missed the shot. But it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just that that moment was amazing. And honestly, like, LeBron and Kobe never actually meeting in a playoff setting is just... It sucks. It really sucks, man. Yeah. LeBron screwed up in oh 9 It was supposed to happen in oh nine. 9 Yeah. That was supposed to be the year. When the Magic beat them. Yeah, Hito Turkoglu and, and Rashard Lewis both. Uh, <laughs> you just couldn't it. deny
0: that team of destiny in Orlando,
1: man. Turns out they were both on steroids. <laughs> Jesus. No, it was true, though. Yeah. It was true. And then the Raptors signed Hito. Um... Yeah, that All-Star weekend. I mean, like, first off, Kobe, 1.9 million votes, which was the most in the NBA. Um, obviously, he was going to go to the All-Star game, but still, like, it's it just a reflection of his popularity. Like, I mean, you know, uh, LeBron basically wins it every single year it's by default, but that year, obviously, Kobe took it from him. Uh, I remember in just watching back some of the highlights on YouTube and uh, preparing for the show, um, him warming up with Zaire Wade. Yeah. that? Yes. Um, you know, it, it was, like, if I think about Dwayne Wade's son taking instructions from anybody else. You don't need to. You yeah. have Dwayne Wade as your But then dad. Kobe
0: walks in the gym.
1: Yeah, and then he's, like, learning how to, like, guard a fadeaway and how to shoot a fadeaway, and Kobe's teaching him these small tricks to Zaire and, like, you know, Chris Ball Jr., who's, like, a toddler and just running around on the court and stuff like that. Like, everybody wanted a piece of Kobe, but it, it was very much, like, clear in that year that like kobe wanted to pass the game on and i thought that was really cool because you know a lot of players leave the game and then they get bitter about the game yep. kobe left the game and he just wanted to make it better you yep. know what i mean it wasn't about him it wasn't necessarily about um a philosophy it's not charles barkley going inside yep. the nba every day and being like you got to get in the post you know um kobe just wanted to share that skill set yep. and then you know him launching the academy and everything like that is is a. Uh, it's great to see. Yeah, Um yeah, that, that, that All Star game was amazing. In terms of the Raptors and Kobe intersecting, eighty one point game. Do you remember where you were?
0: I was at home watching it on a Sunday and I think I think it was on the score. I think you might have been right. Yeah. yeah. And uh I I remember the Raptors having a big ish lead. Yeah. Like midway through the third quarter. I it was Mike, like twenty think, plus. There you go. I think Mike James was having a big game. Uh Okay. <laughs> and uh, Kobe took over and I remember being very upset. <laughs> I remember wondering why they were making it more difficult for him. I remember wondering why they were not double D. T- like, I just remember being very, 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 very upset.
1: Um, it was humiliating. But then in, in retrospect, it was good to be part of history. I guess. Honestly,
0: yeah, it really was. Well. And I yeah. understand that that sounds like such a defeatist attitude mm-hmm. because the team we root for was on the very wrong end of history. Yeah. But a the title makes everything easier oh, yeah, to yeah. T- like just swallow in hindsight, and mm-hmm. b it's just
1: whatever, man. Yeah, no, I mean it was it was. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit happy that I happened against the Raptors. I really am. Um, but though, I mean, obviously, Kobe goes out for 81 points in 42 minutes. He shoots 28 of 46 from the field, seven of 13 from three. The thing is, that's not necessarily that hot of a game. It's the sheer volume. And the fact that he got to the free (laughs) throw line 20 times. Do you
0: know what I think is hilarious? What? That he he took more shots yeah. in his fi- in that final game 60-point performance than he did in his 81. <laughs> Do you remember watching that in the Scores <laughs> War yeah. Room and we were going nuts?
1: Yeah. No, that was crazy because mm. uh, that last game of the season was really eventful, right? Remember because The we, Warriors we, we, set the record that day too at the 73-win season. Yeah, yeah, Steph, they were in Memphis or, yeah, or something uh, like that. I think so, yeah. The Memphis are like, yeah, they we're watching like the playoff race. I think Sacramento had to... Uh, Houston has to beat Sacramento to I make the playoffs, that. and we were just covering all these other storylines. And then the last one of the night, we're like pretty tired. I was like, I was, I had already left. My my shift was over, and I went across the street to the bar. I
0: remember that you came back,
1: and then I was watching this game, and I was like, in the fourth, the start of the fourth quarter, I was like, Kobe has like forty something. Yeah. I'm like, I gotta go back to the office. Yeah. And I came back, and like the end of that game is just insane. Like, yeah. like they really had to. They, they needed every single basket. No, uh, yeah, to they win really did. Yeah, um,
0: and it was like the perfect. There was no more perfect way for Kobe Bryant to leave. Yeah. The NBA than that. Like taking 50 shots. <laughs> honestly, emptying, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, emptying the yeah. clip. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, for sure. I would have n- no other way would have been would have done him justice, you yeah. know. Um, him having like a 5 for 11 game yeah and is that you know what i mean yeah exactly no No, no. what what the hell empty the clip and go out mama style
1: it's a meaningless game it had no playoff implication the jazz were already eliminated and everything like that um no it was a it was a legendary game but i mean even the 81 point game like he the thing is like he it's just no one else on this team was good that people forget this man like he was playing with chris mim kwame brown smush Smush Parker, Parker and lamar odom and lamar odom is the best player on that team outside of kobe obviously he shot one of seven in that game so it wasn't even like lamar was killing them like Every single guy on that team is bad. They got one no, they got two total baskets off the bench. Sasha Vujicic hit a three and Brian Cook had a two. That's it. They got five yeah, right total now, points that off team the was bench. was so bad. So again, why didn't why did Sam Mitchell double Kobe
0: man? I, I, what was are doing? That, I don't know. Maybe, you know what? Maybe Sam Mitchell's like us. Maybe he's like, you know what? I'm okay being on the wrong end of history.
1: <laughs> Sam Mitchell's like, yo, you're gonna remember me forever. Yeah, exactly. I'm the guy who didn't double Kobe. I
0: didn't double Kobe and ah. another time I said zero 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 zero. <laughs>
1: No, this, yeah, I mean, and the, the, the funny thing with these games against uh, the Lakers, and I, I went back and sort of watched a couple of them, it's just all of them, the Raptors were usually in the lead, yeah and then Kobe came back. And, the, you know, this game, I mean, I remember Chuck Swirsky almost put out salami and cheese. He, he, he sort of mentioned it. Uh, like, he was like, I might even start bringing it out. And Leo was like, come on, you're not going to bring it out? Come on, the Lakers got nothing. It's a Sunday night. The Raptors are up 20. You know, Mike James is 26 points. But Chuck knew. Uh, Chuck, knew. Chuck was like, no, 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 relax. It's the there's, guy a killer, there's a killer on the court. Yeah, yeah. Kobe was like literally on a uh, – he came off 60 points in three quarters against the Mavericks, and then he does the 81 thing. It's it's ridiculous. Like, shout out Phil Jackson for leaving Kobe in the game so yep. like, he can get all his points. Because at, at a certain point, the the, the Lakers had definitely won yeah. the game. But Kobe right. was like, no, I'm not coming out of this game. Yeah, exactly. I'm going for it. Yep. Like, uh, amazing. Jalen Rose, also um, also <laughs> just commemorated in that case. Yeah. Um, I also looked up, Kobe had three game winners against the Raptors.
0: Okay, so let me see if I remember. I did see the, your tweet. Yeah, yeah. He, there was the one in Toronto, I think in uh, Dwayne Casey's first year on mm-hmm. the job. Is mm-hmm. that when...
1: Uh, that was during the uh, the Achilles, one. he tore his Achilles at the very end of the season. But Kobe sacrificed everything yeah. to get them into the playoffs.
0: What, uh, who, someone messed up an inbounds, didn't they?
1: Yes. Oh, wasn't it Jamal McGlure? It, I don't know. <laughs> was
2: it wasn't Jamal McGlore. Or Jamal missed
0: free throw. There was a game I remember against the Lakers in Dwayne Casey's first year, the first post-lockout year, mm-hmm. when the Raptors had Jamal McGlore. And I remember them being like in a tight game against the Lakers and Kobe winning it, not at the buzzer, but with like, uh-huh. a late-game winner. And I could have sworn it was either like a missed McGlore free throw or a bad inbounds or something. Uh-huh. I have to go back and watch it. But there was some like very Raptors-esque mistake in there.
1: Oh my God. No, I mean, it's funny when you look at that team because all of those guys are still in the NBA, like, and which is rare when you watch old rapper games. Um, Rudy Gay on the floor. Kyle Ayer's on the floor. DeMar DeRozan's on the floor. Amir Johnson's on the floor. The, the guy, the, the fifth guy they were closing out with in that game was either Allen Anderson, who played an obscene amount of time for Dwayne Casey. Allen Anderson always got so many minutes. Kobe also had a, that classic shot over Allen Anderson in LA. Yeah, that was this game. No, th- Oh you're talking about the one in LA. No, I'm talking about the one March 8 2013. I think that was in Toronto. Okay. So I didn't talk, but there's that gif where, you know, when people are always talking about, like, shooting your shot on Twitter yeah, or something yeah. like that, right? There's that one where Kobe, like, pump fakes. Allen yeah. is just playing great defense. Yeah. Uh, Kobe just him, rises up. And he just pump fakes twice and he rises up and he hits a buzzer-beating three. That was this game. He hits that three. Up for the Raptors, 31 seconds. Kobe hits a turnaround jumper off an inbound in the corner, hits a, hits a three. In that situation, you just want to deny a three. And then he – well, the Lakers down three, short clock situation. He inbounds on the other side of the floor. Pump fakes Amir Johnson out the air and shoots a three over Rudy Gay at the buzzer to force overtime. And then in overtime, Aaron Gray comes over and doubles him at half court for some reason, late. And it's Aaron Gray. That's who you want.
0: That's what you want trapping at the top. Aaron Gray. He can recover.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then Kobe drove right past and ducked it on the oh, team man. and it was game over. He had forty one six and twelve that game. Jesus. Uh that was March eighth, twenty thirteen. The year before that, February twelfth, twenty twelve. Raptors up four with under a minute left. This is in Toronto. This is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Dwayne Casey's first year post-lockout year in Toronto. Right. Linus Klaza? Yes.
0: This Linus is Kleza. definitely the one I'm thinking of. Jamal McGoran was... was
1: he he's on the team. Yeah. He was on the team. I think this is the year he's on the team. Um, But, yeah. <laughs> Raptors up four with under a minute left. Jack on the broadcast screams, No threes! No threes here! You don't want to give up a three because they're up four yeah. with under a minute left. You don't want to give up a three. And then Kobe pulls up over Linus Klaza <laughs> for yeah. three hits it. Uh, and then the next play Klaza tries to go one on one against Kobe. Think about these games we're watching. We're watching Linus Klaza trying to go one on one. Linus
0: Klaza had by f- like, he had that very prototypical, like, no self awareness <laughs> euro confidence i'm just yeah, gonna throw it out had. there anyway, i can say yeah, that yeah. as a european uh, yeah, yeah. uh son of european immigrants
1: right there's you the mark bellinelli
0: confidence yeah yeah but you know what I, bellinelli has a little bit of reason how that got like linus claysa was the ultimate like oh i'm coming from pro ball in europe like i mm. got this like nope you don't
1: no yeah claysa tried to go one-on-one and kobe kobe steals it off of Lin- uh, claysa um i think the, the i don't know if the lakers score there but the Raptors some up got up uh they they're they're up in the game and then Kobe gets the inbound pass again, like four seconds left. Uh, and then he goes to the corner and then he hits a turnaround jump shot, pretty much the same place Ka- uh, Kawhi hit. Yeah, I do jump remember shot. that. Yeah. But the same spot, obviously, the same building. And he hits it over James Johnson. Again, we're closing games with Linus Klaza and James Johnson against Kobe. And Kobe hits the game winner. Um, he finished with 27 points that game. And then, obviously, before that, this one I don't even remember at all. March 9, 2010. Do you remember those at all? March 9th, 2010. So this would have been the the last Bosch season. I don't know if he was sitting out games with his face again. (laughs) Was this in L.A.? This was in L.A., yeah. No, I don't really remember this one. Um, I didn't remember this one either until I looked it up. Um, But Kobe, again, short clock situation with the Lakers down one, had the last possession. Kobe drives baseline, pulls up pretty much the same shot over James Johnson, but he pulls up for two and he switches it. The guy guarding him in that situation, Antoine Wright. Jesus. So, um, yeah, the uh, Kobe had thirty six six and six in that game. So th- this man had three game winners in the same team against one French. Yeah, I know his. That's, I mean, obviously,
0: and that that doesn't even include the eighty one yeah. point performance. Like his the way he tortured the Raptors was
1: yeah. LeBron second has. to none until <laughs>
0: LeBron. Yeah, came around and dominated them every year. But uh, but I think even then, like mm. there was always something with Kobe. Um, it was like a love-hate thing where yeah, definitely you could hate him because he was killing your team.
1: you hate him because his fans are so ridiculous. Right.
0: And that was a big thing for me. Like, for me, it was never yeah. hating necessarily his game. It was hating the, like, rings and buckets culture of his super fans, like, of his stands. Yeah. Um, but there was still an element with him. And I don't know if it was maybe that relentless competitiveness that you, and, like, his work ethic that you just had to admire and respect. Yeah. But even when you hated him yeah. as a foe. Yeah. I challenge anyone to say that they didn't, like, deep
1: down be like, God damn it, I respect that. Man. Oh, of you course, know? man. As a basketball player, it's 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 impossible to deny. Like, you can't separate. Like, basketball as a sport is almost like tennis. Like, you get carried through the eras by these individuals. Yeah. Like, individuals. The truly right? transcendent ones. Yeah. And, you know, um, you if you look at the sport of basketball, it was Magic and Bird, and then it was Michael, and then it was Kobe, and now it's LeBron. And we don't know who's going to be next. We're not really sure. But – Kobe, undeniably, from for his twenty years, the amount of like just uh, contributions that he made for basketball is, is you know, it's it, and it, and I think it, you see it now in sort of just like how many players he touched. Like somehow every single player in the NBA has a Kobe story, has a connection to Kobe. Yep. Um, every it's like all these, like even Jimmy Fallon has a story about Kobe. About did you, him, did and, you see
0: that last night? Him like bawling and talking yeah. about that. And yeah, no, it's uh...
1: like. They go on a beer run together. Yeah, and you know Kobe's flashes, and he's like, "Yo, I'm on the Lakers."
0: This is when he was 17 too, like clearly yeah. underage.
1: Um, yeah, legendary stuff, man. Yeah, man. He, uh, and, and you look at all the players on the Raptors now, like you know Norm, Kyle, Fred, yeah. Stanley, like even former Raptor Demar DeRozan. Yep. No, he uh, he touched a lot of lives, man. Like, yeah. and especially
0: through basketball. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't deny wherever you rank him as the player mm-hmm. in the, like, goats debate, you can't deny his, like, influence and how beloved he was. Like, in terms of
1: those measures, yeah. he is at, at or near the top. Yeah. No, he's really the the Michael of this generation. Um, and there, I think, generationally, there will always be a Michael. Yeah. And then we can debate which generation's Michael, yeah. quote unquote, was the best. Yeah. Like, we did already Michael, LeBron, Kobe. Yeah. But, like, I mean,. Yeah, he's 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 not, maybe not necessarily his production as a basketball player, but that, that's not really important. I think it, it, at the end of the day, sports is not even necessarily about you know what I mean. Like it's like debating like Maradona versus Pele, exactly. or like versus like exactly. Messi. It's exactly. like obviously you you can't compare the numbers, you can't really compare the styles, you can't put them in different eras. You can really just only like compare their cultural impact. Yeah, you know what I mean. So
0: um, and Kobe's basically second to none there.
1: Yeah, he really is, and and you, you know, um, our, our buddy Blake Blake Murphy at the Athletic had a great piece um, after that Spurs Raptors game, and he had a lot of great quotes and, from players talking about what what you know Kobe meant to them. And Demar said, "Kobe meant everything, 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 everything I learned came from Kobe. Everything take Kobe away, I wouldn't be here." There's a
0: lot of players that feel that way, man.
1: And you know, like even Fred VanVleet, who I never even thought he, he never brought up Kobe. He's not like he's he doesn't wear 24. He's from Rockford, which is right, right outside Chicago. You would think he'd be an MJ guy. He said, quote, I've never been a fan of anybody in my life other than Kobe. Like, that's the only person i ever looked up to as an idol. You know? And Fred's not a guy who's clout chasing No. You ever, ever. I mean,
0: that's why he said himself. Like, there's yeah. one guy. Yeah. He allowed himself to feel that way about, and it was Kobe.
1: Yeah. So, uh, it's just it's super tragic, man. And uh, all the tributes in the coming days and weeks and stuff like that. I, I mean, I'm happy the NBA – you know, postpone that Lakers Clipper yeah. game. That would have been just too raw of a situation to to, to put the players into. It's a little surprising they, they let the other players play, but um, I guess that's a decision they made. But uh, yeah, there'd be a lot of tributes um, and you know, just across across the world. You know, like yeah. I, I saw, like uh, the UConn's women nationals, uh, w- women's team for Gianna, yeah, uh, yeah. Put out that tribute. You know, put a jersey on uh, for for Gianna, and like that was her dream. Her dream was to go to UConn. Yeah, you know, and uh, again, it, life doesn't make sense that way. You got a forty-one year old and a thirteen-year-old a die in a plane crash along with a lot of other people. It just
0: on their way just, to a, uh, a youth basketball game
1: or academy. You yeah. know that yeah it's uh it's heartbreaking in every sense man it really is and uh but you know um life moves on it, it definitely does it'll be difficult I'm, I'm sure there'll be a lot of uh memories and things like that to come out of the coming days so uh you know you know the raptors we'll, we'll talk about the raptors um we'll talk about the raptors now um you know the raptors are now one seven straight which is uh, which is good. I think we kind of anticipated this in, in terms of just them hitting a softer spot in the yeah. schedule. Um, they were briefly in second, but then Miami uh, played Orlando, and Orlando trash. So <laughs> the Raptors are now back to third because they don't have a tiebreaker against Miami. Right. That tiebreaker action might come down to be important. Miami doesn't really seem like they're going to slow down. Yeah, um, I yeah, know these I mean, are probably the two teams in the East that you're hottest about: Miami and, and Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I
0: mean, obviously, other than Milwaukee, who's just kind of in a class yeah, of their yeah. own, but whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever.
1: They're like forty-one and six. Yeah, exactly. That.
0: they're only on a seventy-one win pace. Um, yeah, I think out of the rest of the East contenders, I've been highest on the Raptors and the Heat, and I've like talked about why. With the Heat, um, yeah. they have a superstar. Yep. That can take over games and take over series. Uh, they're balanced on both sides. They. They got a lot of shooting. They have a lot of shooting. Yeah. They can muck up a game if they need to. They yeah. are a terror to play against. Like you don't want to play a mm-hmm. long series against that team. Yeah, they're you, and they're
1: are, they've got a smart coach too. Yeah, yeah. So
0: like I I think that team is well built for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Raptors, obviously. I mean, yeah, they they're legitimately a championship team. Like yeah. um, even without Kawhi and Danny. But yeah, the tiebreaker is probably going to come into play here unless yeah. the Heat slow down or the Raptors really take off. Um, you know, and it might be what decides the. The all-star coaching situation too, right? Yeah. Because if you look at the schedules this week, I I think you can really kind of assume they are going to go into Sunday tied or come out of next Sunday tied. Yeah, and if that's the case, Spoelstra forgets it because of that tiebreaker. Because the Heat are two and zero against the Raptors this year.
1: Right. So um, it's whoever's team has the best record on the start of Monday, February the Right, 3rd. At,
0: Yeah, at the end of the Sunday games.
1: Yeah. Don't. The only good thing is the Raptors have. Uh, more games to play, one game extra to play. Oh, so guess, basically I, if they win out, I mean, they're good. If they win out. And, I mean, uh, I wouldn't necessarily just assume the Raptors win out because they do play at 1.3 games of four nights uh, over the coming days. They play Thursday, Friday, and then they play Sunday. But we're talking about the Hawks. We're talking about Cleveland. We're talking about uh, Detroit. And we're talking about Chicago. Like it does not get softer than that.
0: The only one maybe is Detroit on the back to back. Yeah, but the Pistons are pretty bad, man. Like, I... <laughs> the Pistons
1: are yeah. I, I mean, the the sake hype is it's yeah. just it, it's it's. I'm I'm happy for him. He's the youngest player in the NBA. Yeah. Like he's playing well. Um, and you know it's it's just you always want to support a guy like that. But the amount of. Uh, hype around it is it's a little sad because like you, you, I can't believe Seiko Dumboy is the, the, the one thing that's getting these people excited
0: well I think that's what happens when, you're, when you have a team that's that bad and a team yeah. that's been that desperate for so long right and we remember yeah. that from those Raptors days when like a very middling prospect has like a good couple weeks or shows even just like the smallest flash yeah. of potential and you're all in on that guy man. because you just desperately need something to pop for your
1: franchise. Who who are who are some of your favorite Raptors uh, second-to-boys types?
0: Pop's Mensa, Bonsu? Yes, I was. Yo, enough. when Pop's Bro, Bonsu had yeah. that like
1: ten-day run, yep.
0: Don't lie to me and tell me you didn't think no, this guy man. could be part of I the future. So you know? like, I was so hyped.
1: I was. You know, the thing is with winning, watching the Raptors in those years is that you weren't necessarily watching to see if they win. You're watching almost to see, like, statistical anomalies. Like, I used to be get really excited when Reggie Evans would get four rebounds in the same play because he couldn't make a layup. <laughs> no, I'd be like, oh, Moses Malone!
0: <laughs> you weren't watching to see whether they won that game. You were watching and hoping to God, yeah. something happened in that game mm-hmm. that gave you even an ounce of hope for the future.
1: Yeah, you're praying that Matt Devlin randomly screams out Punjabi for Pedro Stoyakovich.
0: <laughs> Still one of the greatest moments in the franchise history. Oh,
1: my God. Shout out Devlin, man. One day I'm going to bring on this podcast and yeah. have him explain that because yeah. it is hard to... Hard it's to because, was it
0: not? Because it was like Punjabi... It was. Punjabi Heritage Night. Yeah, like, yeah. But why do you have to do it...
1: <laughs> On a page of three. Did he want to make a pun? You
0: know, my favorite uh, Matt Devlin call to this day <laughs> was um, Will Solomon. Oh, yeah. At a turnover where he, like, jumped in the air, turned around, and threw the ball away. And Matt Devlin's call, I will never forget it, was Will Solomon. And then, like, a bit of a pause. Does what he does. What in the world are you do? Like, was in the process of like, saying, what in the world are you doing? And then, like, kind of corrects himself and gets back to professionalism. <laughs>
1: Yeah. No, he's uh his talents were wasted in some of those. Some of those we're talking about Will fans.
0: Solomon and Reggie Evans and yeah. and late career Peja being yelled like yeah. having a Punjabi call. That was why we can understand why Pistons fans are really hype over Yeah, fair Pim-Puya. enough. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh and you gotta feel for the I honestly at this point I kinda just feel bad for Dwayne Casey. Like like it's just his team is just like
0: yeah. I, okay. Okay. I feel it's bad, but I also I mean, he like. He also gets paid well, and he, he gets paid very well. Yeah. And he gets double nurse's salary. That's insane. But I, it's like, I was skeptical when he took that job, because yeah. I mean, he did. He could have just waited. Exactly. He, he was waited. the reigning coach of the year. No matter what happened at the end in Toronto, he was still a hot commodity in the NBA. Clearly, yep. by the amount of money Detroit gave him. Yep. So. He could have waited it out For a better situation He could
1: have For a contending situation For And Even a respectable situation Exactly If, if you looked at Detroit You knew that that team is stuck you And he went anything. Where the paper was Which
0: I don't blame him for Yeah Because this is a guy that In his career Yeah Got screwed over in Minnesota
1: Got blackballed Right yep.
0: Blackballed uh, Over things that happened I think at Kentucky
1: Yep
0: Then got screwed over in Minnesota Where he had that team at 500 And they fired him And they yep. crap The rest of the way Yep And then weren't close to 500 For a long time Yep and I'm sure he feels like I don't think he got screwed in Toronto, but I'm sure he feels like he did. So for he him, he feels like he got scapegoated, right? So yeah. he's probably looking at it as like, I'm not naive enough to think mm-hmm. another opportunity is just going to come around. If yeah. they're offering me, if they're backing up the brinks, Trump, I'm going to take it.
1: Yeah, there's been like so many jobs around the NBA um, that you know you look at. Where I mean, would it be inconceivable if he waited? Do you think he could have been Frank Vogel? Maybe know, in Los Angeles right Maybe. now. Maybe, yeah. Like he probably, I'm um, probably honestly, yeah, you know he, he does have, anyway. Um, that, but
0: that's what I'm saying. Like I, so I don't blame him for taking the money in Detroit. Mm-hmm. But I also now don't feel bad that that's what he's left with because that's fair. That's fair. He and, did make that decision.
1: Yeah, and he's still in the league. So, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and everyone goes through it. It's just like yeah. he has to go through it again. But uh, yeah, the Raptors winning seven straight. Uh, honestly, this this win streak could really extend further. Again, you know, um. It's hard to just assume, but, I mean, remember the start of the season. They were beating every single 500 team, under 500 team, and all they have coming up are under 500 teams. If they win out, Nick Nurse can coach the All-Star game because Mike Budenholzer cannot do it two years in a row. Nick Nurse will then be coaching Team Giannis, and, uh, you know, it's just – just a nice little thing. I mean, I'm happy mostly for Nick Nurse and his and his staff because they get to go and they get to be part of the festivities. Uh, maybe it sucks that they don't get on vacation, but still, like, it's a cool experience. And it would be a great way to tribute and an honor uh, and just reward Nick Nurse and recognize him for what he's done because, man, you know. And we might see the first ever boxing one. In the, in,
2: man, in that'd be hilarious. That would be amazing. But
0: I will add because I've also been high on like, – I've told many Raptors fans, like, don't – don't get too excited about 2021 because mm-hmm. I'm very worried about the heat in 2021.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: It's either Nurse or Spolstra.
1: Yep. Coaching Giannis. Okay, Raptors, you got to go all out, so, man. All out. 40 plus 40, – 45 minutes for uh, Kyle Lauer tonight against the Hawks. <laughs> yeah. um, you, you saw that Giannis call, Robert. They were, they were in France for – as part of the uh, – Oh, yeah, about Maasai? Yeah, in international games. And, in, you know, it, it's a bit thirsty to read all that into something bigger. But, you know, he did say that him and Masai have a, had a conversation. Uh, and one of the things they talked about was obviously the expansion of um, the NBA Africa League. And that was among other things. And he had big plans. So, y- even just putting aside all the thirst stuff, we know definitively that Masai and Giannis have a relationship.
0: Yep. And, and, away. <laughs> and Masai's got big things. First. I can only imagine.
1: I'm just going to say, man, Masai's a very persuasive man. If you have a conversation, you have you have a relationship with this man... Uh, you know?
0: That's what I'm saying. He like, might sell you on something. If the Bucks saying. don't win a title in the next two seasons and... Listen, if they don't win
1: this year after they win 70-something games... And then
0: gotta, they got to oh, worry about Giannis going into rooms with Masai Ujiri and Pat Riley. Just, just start burning the jerseys now, Milwaukee. We know you're going to.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Cream City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's> cre- <laughs>
0: well, that city's cream, all right. Oh, God.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um... One issue that I, I'm, I'm a little concerned about is becoming a trend. It's hard to find issues in a seven-game win streak. Um, but, you know, one of the things I may worry about in terms of the Raptors going perfect this week, despite being being an easy schedule, is the fact that they've been giving up some leads. Um, against the Spurs, they're up 19. And then the Spurs came back and actually took the lead, and the Raptors had to come back and, and grab that win. Against the Hawks, they're up 20-plus. And then, obviously, that game ended up very, very, uh, very riveting ending on Martin Luther King Day. Uh OKC, they're up thirty. Game became a one possession game. Uh, before that they lost that game against the Spurs where they're up you know fifteen points at least. And then Portland, same kind of deal. Are you worried about this? Is this is there something the Raptors are doing that's making them give up leads? I mean, I think
0: they are I think one thing is they're rolling with a deeper rotation than they were early in the season. Like if mm-hmm. if you take some of those games and cut it to a seven or eight man rotation, yep. right? A healthy rotation. Because some of those were when they were still a little banked up, I think. Yeah, yeah,
1: they were. Portland, for sure.
0: So if you take some of those games and make it like a seven or eight-man rotation where all of their big guns are playing heavy minutes, I don't think they're blowing those leads. And I think that's one reason I'm not too concerned about it because come April, May, and June, like... Patrick McCaw, I hope to God isn't playing yeah. the minutes he played and some. And like, well, look, super. I don't want to, I don't want <laughs> to, well, I don't want to rag on him. I know he's hurt, and I know <laughs>
1: he literally has a broken nose. Right and now. I know
0: people have already ragged on him, and I know that you know he's not the only issue. But go back and watch some of those blown
1: leads. Yeah,
0: a lot of it happened because
1: McCaw's the only ball handler. He was supposed to be it.
0: initiating the offense, and that's a problem. Yeah, and so yeah, I I hear you. There are some reasons for concern there. You'd prefer a team. Just kind of, like, stay sharp throughout, be a little more professional uh, when playing from ahead. But
1: I also don't think there's that much to read into it. Yeah. And I, also, like, uh, I mean, not to compare us to the Minnesota Timberwolves of all teams, but the Timberwolves last night against the Kings were up 17 points with 2 minutes and 49 seconds left. And they lost. To, for their 10th loss in a row. Yeah.
0: Which is their second longest losing streak of the season, <laughs> oh by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, so, like, I actually do think it's just, like, a reality of the NBA nowadays. Like, teams are so good at shooting threes. Teams are so good at playing up-tempo um, that if you relax for a second, like, it's not about the total points. It's the amount of possessions. Yes. Um, and teams are now playing more full-court press, which I actually do think is Nick Nurse's yeah. his, his own stuff coming back to bite him. Um, it's actually interesting to see a lot of coaches in the NBA sort of bite Nick Nurse's stuff. Um, like Steve Kerr, for example, on Christmas when the Warriors upset the Rockets, um, he actually used a lot of the same tactics that Nick Nurse did.
0: On Steph in the finals.
1: Yeah. Oh, sorry, you mean on
0: uh, on, on James Harden. On James this yeah. year, yes. Yeah. And,
1: and that really stuck out to me because if there's one team and one coach that knows how to play against James Harden, it's the freaking Golden State Warriors yeah. and Steve Kerr. They played them like every single year in the playoffs mm. and beat them. Um, but Steve Kerr, obviously with the new roster and everything like that, because of injuries, he borrowed Nick Nurse's defensive scheme to do that. And I do think with you full court presses like that, like, like you saw against OKC, like it really does speed up the pace of the game. And when you're down, you want to create more possessions. You want to create more opportunities for threes. And it's just really hard to, to hold the lead right now, man. It is. And, for and, any and team that's, that's
0: another reason why I'm I'm not that concerned about it. You know, it's not yeah. like the Raptors are some outlier here that, right, right, right. that are blowing leads. There's more possessions. There's. Uh, teams getting a lot more creative with their defense, maybe because of Nick Nurse when they are down big. Right. That Atlanta game was a perfect example. Like They they were running a full-court press, yep. and for much of that time, the Raptors were relying on Patrick McCaw and a rookie in Terrence Davis yeah. to break that press.
1: Or even Norman Powell, who had right. a couple really bad turnovers in that right. stretch, too. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that part of it is also they were trying to keep Fred on more of a minutes limit. I think... Since he's come back, he's really proven that he's, 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 he's balling since he's come back. I, I I mean, honestly, I'm not saying he should be an all star, but he's making a late, if he had stayed healthy, he might have been. Yeah. He really might have been, man. I mean, you look at Fred's numbers. I, I still can't believe it. He's averaging 18 points a game this season. Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, I think because of the minutes restriction, sure, they've gotten, they've done a really good job with minutes for Kyle. He hasn't really played that many minutes. He, even He gets up to 37, but we're not talking about like the 42, 43 exactly, minute yeah. efforts that he was doing before. Um, so, in order to buy them that rest, they need that third point guard on the floor. Um, and that third point guard happened to be Pat McCaw. And, you know, I mean, it's not. Like, in reality, he is not. The third. Yeah. <laughs> but Nick Nurse seemed to believe he was. Yeah. And normally, in, a, in important moments, you would have Fred and Kyle, on the, one of them on the floor at all times. They can do that. You can stagger the rotation and have them both start. You can do that, but in the regular season, you obviously want to give those guys a bit of a exactly. break and extend your rotation. And I think that's where, again, you open up a little bit of a weakness, and teams sort of pounce on that a little yeah. bit. So, And I think also, it's like once you blow one lead, teams scout you. They're like, yeah, no, just right how they blow the last lead. Let's yeah. keep doing that. Yeah. So it's it's one thing. I mean, in terms of just progression, like at least the Raptors against the zone since everyone's come back, much much better. I mean, first like, try to zone them, man. Marcus, there was some beautiful. Well, that's the thing when was
0: everyone like, was going nuts about the way the Raptors were getting zoned. Like I remember that game in Miami, and yeah, yeah. Was, and I I was tweeting it that night. I was like, yo,
1: just bro, they're playing no with G leaguers. Team,
0: teams will not be able to do this with Marcus All in yeah. the center of the court. He's too good of a playmaker. Yeah, his vision is too good for teams to do this against. Them. Yeah, and that's why I was never worried about it. Like it's not a viable strategy against the Raptors if Marcus is in the
1: lineup. And yeah, and that's first game, man. Mark had some beautiful, beautiful passing sequences. Yep. Like, guys missed shots, but still, the ball movement with Mark back in the lineup is just is just different. Yep. I mean, honestly, everyone looks great right now. There's yep. not that much to nitpick at. Um, so uh, we're gonna take a quick break right here, and I'm gonna tell you that uh, baseball has hot dogs, football has nachos. So when does basketball get its official food? How about right now? Kentucky Fried Chicken, the official food of basketball. Think about it. Basketball players make buckets all the time kfc makes buckets all the time and theirs are filled with fried chicken like famous original recipe or crispy popcorn chicken or even juicy tenders so that settles it kfc the official food of basketball order at kfc.ca and get it before tip off all right before we go two more things i want to touch on in terms of the raptors number one Pascal Siakam getting back to form um you saw in that Knicks game, obviously, he sort of made those two big plays at the end, driving in for a dunk and also hitting the pull-up three. And then you also saw in the Spurs game, breaking a franchise record for points in a quarter with 25, and he finishes 35 with that one. Obviously, he didn't finish the game as strong, as so he started the game. But uh, what are you seeing from Pascal? Are you more encouraged now that he's... Are you relieved? Like, what's going on?
0: Yeah, I'm... Like, I was never that concerned. I definitely thought some of his struggles were he just didn't have that same... Um, he didn't seem like he had the ability to have that, like, burst he usually has consistently right. for the full 48-minute game. And I think that was always kind of part of what made Pascal so special, right? Is right. that, you know, whether it was, like, his second jump on an offensive rebound or uh, the amount of ground he could cover defensively. The, like, you'd watch him in the first quarter, you could watch him at the end of overtime, and he would have that same burst, even though it didn't make any sense as a human being to have that burst. When he first came back from injury, I didn't think he had that anymore. Like, even that yep. first Spurs game when they lost and he came out gangbusters at oh, start. Oh, yeah, yeah. At the end of the game, he just – he had nothing left. He nothing. missed that layup at the a end. A flat-out layup. Like that like he could not get off the floor. Yeah. And so I figured that once he got his legs back under him, he'd be fine. And I think we kind of seen that in the last two games. Now, I don't think he should have got player of the week. <laughs> but, you know, all good. He had good numbers on a team that – Sure, yeah. You know, was undefeated. Lose. Exactly. He went perfect for the week.
1: A little strange. Yeah.
0: Uh, But even in the last San Antonio game, I think even though his scoring didn't keep up as the game wore on because he was not going to score 100 points, which is the pace he was on after a quarter, he, I thought, still looked fine like energy-wise and burst-wise in the fourth quarter, even if he wasn't scoring. And I really do think that's so important for him and the Raptors, for him to be able to play with that sustained energy throughout.
1: And I I thought one of the biggest plays of the game was Pascal. They were running plays for Pascal in crunch time. Which I feel like they still could do a better job of. They're, you know, Just in terms of, like, where is he comfortable? What is he... What, Especially do?
0: against teams that can't guard him.
1: Yeah. But, like, they did a really good job in crunch time of using that ball screen from Fred um, and getting the switch, going up against guys like Bryn Forbes or going up against a guy like DeMar DeRozan, and really using that to, to get Derek White off of him. Derek White was probably the only guy that was giving him slight problems, but not really. Um Getting the mismatch and then having him attack and, you know, the, the, I thought the play of the game from that one was Pascal coming off the screen, attacking the paint aggressively, forcing the help, and then kicking it right out to Fred Van Vliet, who had relocated from the spot that he had set the screen so that the defender didn't know which way to close out to because he had his back turned to the play. When Pascal kicks it out to Fred, and his Fred hits the three. I just think that, like, it's not about Pascal having to take every shot. I'm not expecting him to do what he did in the next game um, every single night on every single possession. That's not how anything is played. That's not even how Kawhi played. But, um, you know, that aggression to even draw a double team and make the right play and something like that, he has capable teammates around him. Like, <laughs> I mean, listen, I'll, I'll I'll take my chances with Fred VanVleet hitting an open three in, in crunch time at in any time, you know. Um,
0: man, I'll take At this point <laughs> Since May I basically, I'll basically i take my chances With Fred Van Vliet Hitting a crunch time three With his back turned 48 feet away From the basket yeah. Like th- This guy's become As automatic Yeah As it gets in I mean that Philly
1: game crunch time situations That Philly game Yeah It's it's night and day I, I couldn't believe the it the game man. over Yeah, Fred Van Vliet And people were making fun of him it's the team That should give him The most yeah. problems Because of all the length They have and his size Yeah, no I, I saw one, one Philly blogger tweeted out a picture of Isaiah Thomas on the Cavs and it said, this is Fred leading against the the Sixers. And And then
0: by the end of that game, he was the best player on the court. Yeah.
1: No, shout out Fred, man. He's been really good. Uh, He's really solved a lot of crunch time things. And also I've really enjoyed this stretch where Pascal's come up clutch. Kyle's come up clutch. Fred has come up clutch. And those are your three guys that you're going to look to. And, um, I'm really happy about that. The other thing I want to touch on before I let you go, um, of late, Norm Powell has been closing over Norm, uh, over OG Anobi. Um, I think it speaks to two things. One, Norm Powell playing like just a star, honestly. What <laughs> is
0: it now? Ten, eleven games where he's more. I think it's like eleven or twelve games where he's averaging twenty-one, twenty-two points on yeah. better than 50 40, ninety splits. Yeah,
1: it's it's not like three games, not four. It's like eleven or twelve games w- with a gap in between. Yeah. So like that consistency has really held up for him. Um, I mean Norm, yeah, he's he's playing really well. I mean, but it, you know, it also kind of speaks to the fact that OJ and OB, uh. He just hasn't been as prominent a part of a game in in the last couple days here. If you look at it, OG had that stretch where he scored 21 against OKC and he scored 18 against Washington. Now, both those games, the Raptors played the big lineup to start, and he's playing shooting guard. Maybe that's correlated or not. I'll ask you in a second. But, I mean, it also kind of just speaks to OG not being that good. I mean, like, (laughs) OG had two points against Minnesota, did not really show up for that one. Atlanta, four points, you know, again, not really a game where he came in and made that big of an effort. Uh, Philly had zero points, scoreless. Uh, Norm close out that the game. The old Embiid. Yeah, <laughs> actually, though, that is really the Embiid now. The next game, OG came back in. You know, made a couple of plays at the end, but still seven points. And then ten points against the Spurs. I thought he was getting the Spurs, but still, even in that game, when he played one well against the Spurs, it was still Norm Powell closing it out. Um, are you in favor of this? Like, are you concerned about this? Is this just a minor thing? Because uh, I think is this like I'd Nick be nurse? concerned
0: if it was like Norm had been doing this for like a week. Right. And randomly started taking OG's crunch time minutes. But as I mentioned, like, Norm's been doing this now. If you include that gap yep. in between, like, what, going on a couple months where he's been this hot? Yeah. And OG, as you mentioned, is still very inconsistent, especially at yeah. the offensive end. Yeah. Defensively, I think, at his best, he looks like an all-defensive team type
1: yep. player. Yep.
0: But I would argue that even on that end, there are some inconsistencies. Yep, for sure. But offensively, he's super inconsistent. Yeah. You mentioned him kind of feasting uh, as a shooting guard in those big lineups. Maybe that speaks to the fact that when he has a size advantage, mm-hmm. um, things work for him because it's a size advantage. Like yeah. he, can, he can just do more when he's got that advantage. Without that size advantage, I don't know that he has the creativity and ability in his offensive game to make right. something out of nothing, right? And if he right. doesn't have a size advantage, maybe that just uh, – it, it makes sense that it wouldn't come easy for him. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that speaks to that. I don't know. But mm-hmm. – I think as long as Norm is playing the way he's playing...
1: Yeah, it's not a problem.
0: And you can't count on OG for a consistent type of offensive like baseline. Yeah. I don't think it's a problem that they're rolling with Norm.
1: Yeah. And I, I do think it's an offense-defense situation, too. 100%. You know, if you need to protect the lead or whatever, I think it makes more sense to put OG to be in there. If there's a specific matchup, you make, it makes more sense for OG to be there. But also, like, Norm's playing well, man. So you, you can't really hate it. And even as a coach, like, you know... You want to win the game. You coach to win the game. Nick Nurse is probably trying to coach to get in the All Star game right now, and you know Norms probably giving you a better chance of that, realistically right now than OG. But it's something to look at. I I do think I'm keeping my eye on it. I'm trying to see Um, OG does have these stretches where he fades in and out. Like he had a three game stretch where he scored six total points. Yeah, like Like it's you know whatever. And the San Antonio game, I thought he was better, but still he didn't close that game either. And even in that game, you can argue defensively, you kind of needed him on the floor to guard Demar, who was causing a lot of problems in the fourth quarter but they stole all of Norm.
0: Well, I think you so. can make
1: the argument right now.
0: Just in the here and now, Norm's offense and shooting, mm-hmm. as crazy as this sounds, mm-hmm. has become more dependable
1: night to night than OG's like, peak level defense. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. I really can see it. I mean, and the thing is, like, obviously, uh, OG's much better on, offense, or, uh, on defense than Norm is. Yeah. And, but... I don't know. I think it's also matchup based, but I mean, it's just mostly, it's just shout out to Norm, man. He's, he's been amazing. On the season, he's shooting 51%, 41 from three. It's not even like it's it's an aberration. Like, he's literally just averaging 15.6 yeah. points per game, shooting 50, 40, and 84 from the free throw it's line. It's
0: insane. That's why. He's having an absolutely insane season.
1: And it doesn't seem like he's stopping, too. Like, in a couple of these games, he got hot from three. Sure, whatever. Yeah. You're always going to have a lot of, you know, a very efficient game when you got hot from three. Some of these games, he's not even hitting threes. Like, And he's still doing well, and he's still, you know, even some of the dunks he's thrown down. Yeah, that one where he lost the, he had his back to the play, yeah, and dunked on uh, Horford.
0: Like getting to the rim has never been his problem. Yeah, I used to joke that he was undefeated in getting to the rim. Yeah, and winless in doing anything once he got there because. For Whatever reason yeah. he just couldn't finish once there now, he's finishing once he gets there. Yeah, and if you combine those two things, a guy that really can't be denied in getting to the rim despite some size limitations, yeah, who can now finish at a good rate at the rim, that's you know, that's easy money every game.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's it continues to be so impressive. He's shooting 68% out of the rim this season, uh, for a shooting guard that's like 64 yeah. yeah, six, at most,
0: with a, I think a 611 wingspan, which he does have a huge a, wingspan, a defensive thing, I guess, but
1: yeah. No man, things are going well with the Raptors. Um, I think you know there's not much to complain about, and we'll check back in, in a week when Nick Nurse is officially announced as the coach of the 2020 All-Star Game of Team Giannis. Uh, it would be, it'd be nice. It'd be nice for everyone involved. That's I'm thirsty. I'm, I'm I'm thirsty too, but <laughs> I'm trying to keep it in check. So, Cash, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah,
0: man, thanks for having me. What long you, live, long live Kobe.
1: Uh, yeah, seriously, uh, rest in peace to Kobe, Gianna, uh, you know, our best wishes to Vanessa and the rest of his daughters. It's It must be just a horrendous time for them. And, you know, uh, I saw a really great t- tweet yesterday that I, I thought just, um, you know, spoke very eloquently of the situation. This, I, I, I don't even know who it is. Someone on Twitter named Tyler said, if you want to see Kobe, he's all around us. He's Devin Booker's post up game. He's Demar Derozan's footwork. He's Kyrie Irving's clear out. And let me go on one on five mentality. He's LeBron's leadership. He's Luka Doncic's Trey Young and so many other emerging stardom. He is eternal. That's great. And I think that's that's so well put. Yeah, I mean, I, that's you know that says it all. Really, um, you know, like legends really do live forever in, in sort of the people that they inspire. And you know, uh, you know, people die twice. They really do. And, I think um, you know, athletes actually. You know, they it's 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 three times for athletes because they retire once, but um, you know, it, you, you die the day that you 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 leave the earth, and then you die the, the next day when um, the next time when you know your name is no longer yeah, spoken. of people else, your name, and that I don't think that's going to happen no. for a very very long time. So, yeah. uh, thanks for coming on. Listen to Pound the Rock, please do listen to Pound the Rock. You guys did a Kobe tribute as well. We did, yeah, just yeah. Uh, yesterday. So, I got to get to that because uh, this this whole thing is just bumming me out so much. Yeah. It's, it's hard to get
0: into it. No, I know. It, it's hard to consume all of the Kobe content right now.
1: But, uh, yeah, you and uh, you and Wolfon holding it down, baby. As are you I'm, here, man. <laughs> I miss you, you guys, here.
0: man. Uh, we all miss each other.
1: <laughs> all right. So, um, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, thanks to KFC for sponsoring the podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And uh, I'll be back next week for uh, more of the Raptors Over Everything podcast.